Thank you so much for joining us here tonight. We're continuing on our study of the Gospel of John. And this has just been a, a, a lot to process over the weeks. So we've got a lot of information. So what I'm going to do tonight is kind of backtrack a little bit and bring us to where we are tonight. But in order to get to where we are, I want to, I want to see who's with me on a couple things. So how many of you have been in an argument, a disagreement, or a type of debate in your life? Yeah. <laughs> Just today, that's right. <laughs> and how many of you have lost that argument or debate or conversation? I should see all the husband's hands up. Don't even tell me. That's right. <laughs> I've lost every single battle, so I'm batting a thousand. <laughs> but, um, you know, the funny thing is when we get into arguments with people or disagreements or we, we don't agree, our, our tones, our body language starts to change. We begin to put up a defense mechanism. So if I hear something that I don't like, and it may actually be the truth, but I don't like it, you, you kind of like get a little puffed up. And you just keep waiting for the person to finish what they're saying. They may have said something profound. One little thing may have ticked you off. And you're like, I'm just waiting until this person finishes and I'm going to let them have it. And you're getting all ramped up in your head like, I, boy, did that one thing, I'm going to let them have it. And then you start, get your one opening. And you start just rearing back and going. And we talk a little bit faster and we talk a little bit louder. And then pretty soon we're in the middle of this disagreement and we're just talking so fast and arguing that we forget what we're arguing about. And now we just sound silly. This is where we are in the Gospel of John. This is what we've gotten to. The Jews and Jesus have been having a little bit of a disagreement. And Jesus has been saying some factual things that they find it hard to digest. And so they have begun to put up their defense mechanism and they have start to attack Jesus verbally. They begin to shut everything else out that he is beginning to say. Everything he's been trying to tell them, all the goodness that he brings along with them, they've just tuned it all out because they already have what they want to use against him. So Jesus has gathered and he's teaching and there are a group of people around him. There are some Jewish people, some believers that have gathered around him to listen to his teaching. And they are believing in what he has been teaching them. Until one point where he starts to, to share even more truth to them, their whole tone starts to change. And you guys heard last week, we went through a lot of scripture but Jesus starts to say, why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. He says, you're not really children of Abraham. You don't know who you are. Actually, he says in this verse, and this is huge, through 42 through 48, he says the crowd that they are children of the devil. If you get told that, usually you're not going to have a good response because that sucks. Children of the devil, <laughs> that they do not believe in God. These are people that thought they were very holy, and yet they were just told that they're children of the devil. 
So in verse 48, we got close to closing out last week. The Jews come back and they retaliate in their debate with Jesus and say, well, you know what? You're calling us this, so you're possessed by a demon then. We go straight to name-calling. And what we closed up with last week is verses 49 and 51 through 51. It says, No, Jesus said, I have no demon in me, for I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. And though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. So you guys are all caught up to where we are. A group of believers around Jesus, listening to what he has to say as Jesus gives them truth after truth of why they're actually missing the boat and what they need to do to get back to him. He's not doing this out of hatred. He's doing it out of love for them to show them where they need to be, what they need to become, how they have fallen away. So this brings us to where we are tonight. So if you guys can please stand with me and open up your Bibles to John chapter 8, verses 52 and 53. The people said, Now we know you are possessed by a demon. Even Abraham and the prophets died. But you say, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this hard-hitting scripture. We thank you that you continually love us so much that you want to bring these things up to our attention so we can learn from them, that we can move past them, that we can get closer to you, Lord. So I ask you to open our hearts and our minds today. Let us hear this message, what you want to get across, Lord. We thank you for all your teachings and never leaving our side. It's your name we pray. All God's people said, amen. So Jesus said something that they really didn't like. He may have been teaching this whole time, and he says a few things that rubs them the wrong way. First says, I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. And they're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Just because they heard something, they began to throw something back at them. Well, then you're crazy. You're possessed by a demon. You have no idea what you're talking about. They said Jesus, our Savior, is possessed by a demon because they didn't agree with what he said. And this actually goes back a little bit. They already called him a demon, but now they're going for sure. They are coming with concrete evidence. Okay, you are nuts. I see what you're saying. I have it backed up that, yeah, you're, you're possessed by a demon. This is who Jesus is to them. And it's always funny that when we start to feel like we're losing in an argument or a disagreement, how quickly we try to get on the offensive and just start calling names and just throw out the facts anymore. We may not have any more evidence towards it, but I'm going to start calling you something to prove that you're way worse than I am. 
As long as we get the last word in, we're good. And I think the point that just hit home as I was studying this text was what they said at the end of that scripture. Who do you think you are? These are people that have followed him, listened to him, have seen some things that he was able to do, and yet they're still not able to believe. They say, who do you think you are? And this is going to be our first table talk for this evening. This is why you have sticky notes and you have pens. You guys can share. But I want us to go around. So they're asking, who, who are you? I want to know who is Jesus. List some things of who Jesus is to you. Talk about it. Write it down on those sticky notes. And just start getting the conversation going. The thing is, Jesus means something a little bit different to each person. What he is able to do. Who he is. So start talking about it. Write it down, what you guys like, the different words. Whatever he means to you. Go ahead, take some time and start telling who Jesus is. All right, so Jesus is so many things to me. I have a slide that I found that has all these amazing things that list who Jesus is. A redeemer, a savior, my best friend, true love. Raise your hand if you got some of these on there. Glorious, holy, healer. This is who Jesus is. This is what he has been doing his entire life. All the amazing things he's able to do, and people have seen it. He's able to go through and heal. He's able to go through and change people's lives forever. Jesus is so many amazing things in one. You know what's a crazy thought? Is if we just trusted and accepted Jesus right from the start. If it was that simple, that we would hear who Jesus is and automatically, okay, I believe in him, you're good. And start living our lives all throughout that, through all the ups and downs, knowing that Jesus has it under control. But unfortunately, we don't do that. We'd rather tell Jesus who we want him to be rather than letting Jesus be who he truly is. See, these people that are around Jesus, they feel challenged because he's giving them truth. He's telling them where they're falling short. Jesus will challenge us from time to time to make sure that we are all in with him. If we truly believe what he is saying, that we are walking with him and not questioning him every step of the way. He will call us out if we're living a life different than the, what he wants and expects from us. He wants us to be with him every single step of the way. Like I said earlier, it's not just because, oh, Jesus always picks on me. I'm so sick of it. Usually when someone picks on you, it's because they like you. Jesus loves each and every one of us and doesn't want us to fall away from him. He doesn't want us to live a life not as pure as what he wants. He's just simply telling them and bring up some points to bring him back to them. But when we get challenged, how do we respond to when Jesus 
brings some stuff up in our lives that we need to start battling with. Do we get hostile? Do we put up that defense and get angry? Do we do what they do back in verse 48 where they resorted to name-calling, calling them a Samaritan that's possessed by a demon? That's the ultimate name-calling for these Jews, calling Jesus a Samaritan, someone they didn't want to associate with. They would walk on the other side of town so they wouldn't get dust where Samaritans walked. And they're calling Jesus the same as that where they didn't want to walk near him because of who he is. Even though we may have believed a bit about Jesus, they still wanted to put their idea of Jesus, of who they want him to be in their own minds. If you challenge Jesus, you will lose. But if you keep his word, You'll be sure of his promises of all that he has for us. Promises of eternal life. The thing that sparked up all this rage inside of him. At the end of 52, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. That's something to be excited about. Instead of being happy and excited and joyful over this statement, instead they are looking at reasons to attack and pick apart Jesus. When I hear that... If I listen to him and follow him, I'm going to have eternal life. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be super excited about that. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah. They're looking at Jesus as this earthly body only. This is where they're falling away from everything. They're looking at him as just physical. But he is so much more. They point out that, you know, Abraham and the prophets, they died, so... How can you say there's everlasting life? Those guys are pretty holy. We look to them, father of our nations. How are we going to have everlasting life if they didn't? You know, what's tough is that when we have questions, when we may not understand everything, instead of attacking people, we could always take a step back and be like, oh, could you explain that a little bit more? Like, if Jesus was talking to me and teaching me this, instead of saying, oh, you're just stupid, I would say, well, what do you mean, Jesus? How do I get this everlasting life you're talking about then? Maybe I, I missed something instead of just automatically going and calling him names. Call me crazy, but back in school, if I didn't understand something, I didn't just raise my hand and be like, oh, you're a demon and you're a stupid teacher. You're not going to pass the class. <laughs> it's a lot better idea to maybe step back and try to see what they truly mean in this situation. They would rather find fault than try to grasp and understand who Jesus truly is. I just wanted to go back so we can get a little more scriptural context to what he means with this everlasting life, because this is important. I know we've covered it a few times, especially in this gospel, but this is something that he wants us to focus in on because this is hugely important in our walk because we get to walk with him and have this everlasting life. He doesn't want us to be like the people questioning him. He wants us to experience this. So in John chapter 5, verse 24, it says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, 
but they have already passed from death into life. And again, we're going to see it a little later on in John chapter 11. He's talking to Martha. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe in this? This is what we need to stand by and take to the bank, that Jesus has this amazing promise for each and every one of us. Don't start questioning the truth that he is trying to put in our lives. Believing in Christ means that we will be reunited with our Lord and Savior. The one that had all those lists of people that he is, that's who we get to spend our life with. That's who I want to spend the rest of my life with. And I know each and every one of us want to. So there's no middle ground with this claim. As we listen to Jesus speak, either Jesus is deluded and you should not trust him, or Jesus is God and knows what he's doing. And we have to trust him. So I want to trust I want this issue of trust to come up a little bit more, and this is going to be our second table talk. Have you ever not trusted in Jesus? Have you ever questioned some of the trials you have had to go through? Have you ever questioned the power of Jesus, and do you believe in everlasting life? You don't have to answer all these. I want you to each person pick one to kind of go through what's on your heart. We're not perfect. You're not going to open up and say, well, I haven't always trusted Jesus, and people aren't going to point at you and say, how could you not do that? This is a place where we need to get open and start asking questions. So just talk about it with your table. You guys got a few minutes to go through it. All right, we're going to come back together. See, I think it's important for us to go through some serious discussions like this. Because if we've ever not trusted Jesus, and you guys are here, there's usually a testimony that has come through that where you trust him even more than you ever have before. And there's so many things that, I, that Jesus has done that I just want to shower from the rooftops and sing his praises because he deserves it. And it's up to us to sing these praises and to lift him up. It says in verses 54 and 55, Jesus answered, if I want glory for myself, it doesn't count. But it's my Father who will glorify me. You say, he is our God, but you don't even know him. I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be as great a liar as you are. But I do know him and obey him. Amen. Jesus offers us hope. Jesus offers us a way. He heals the sick. He gives sight to the blind. Jesus does more than we could ever imagine. He is continually working in our lives, working in our families' lives, working in our co-workers' lives, working in everyone's life that wants Jesus in their lives. He never takes a day off. He deserves to be lifted up and talked about. He deserves all this praise. I never once read Jesus going through the Bible and just randomly stopping and say, man, I am so good. I'm probably like world's MVP, most valuable pastor. Yes. 
But Jesus makes the point again that he does not glorify himself. For if he did, it would be worthless. If you seek to stand up on a pedestal like a lot of these Jews did, you're missing the point completely. You're just boasting. And the Father is glorifying Jesus. How amazing is that? No truer words can be said. But through this scripture, we're even able to to start to see the difference between his father and their claim. Jesus is clear that they're calling God Father, but they're totally missing out on who he actually is. They call him their God, but they're totally missing everything about him. They don't even know what they're disagreeing about anymore because they're missing completely. If they could actually see what they were wrong about, it would stop them in their tracks. But Jesus, in contrast, does know God. He has an intimate relationship with God. And not just through the law and through personal experiences like we're able to experience, but that father-son intimate relationship He saw and he heard the Father directly. It was through the knowledge that he is trying to reveal to these people. This connection that he has, he's trying to reveal it to the people listening to him so they're able to experience it. We're acting like we actually know who God is, and yet we're doubting every single step of the way. We question him every single day of our lives. Whenever something new pops up, it's something else to question who he is. Amazing Savior that we have. And we go on with our scripture. As Jesus begins to point everything out to him. In verse 56 and 57, he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? Yet another statement that continued to throw the people for a loop. Jesus is about 30 years old. How could you see Abraham when you're not even 50? And Abraham was actually here 2,000 years prior to that. Another reason why they think Jesus is crazy has a demon, doesn't know what he's talking about, because age is no matter for Jesus. Jesus is constantly around us, but when they hear things like this, it's once again, they don't step back, they don't try to think about it, they just rather start attacking him, and once again decide who Jesus is, what he can and can't do. And what he closes out was something that I love to read over and over again. And if you get anything out of this message, I want you to go home. And I want you to circle something huge that we're going to go through in verse 58 and 59. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. 
before Abraham was even born, I am. Circle that over and over in your Bible. This is the power that he has in our lives. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. Who is Jesus? They ask him, who do you think you are? I am. They go through this seven times in this gospel, explaining who he is. But I love hearing it over and over again. It's like a brand new revelation each and every time. Jesus is, I am. I'm going to get all factual, so this is my pastorly duties for the day. It's a direct claim to be the very God of Abraham. The name of the God of Israel forever is I am. God used the first person singular from the verb to be to describe himself and his special name with his people, the self-existent one. That was very pastor-esque right there. So that was, Jesus claims to be the very God, I am. Out of all the lists, the words that we listed earlier, this is the most important, I am. This is the truth that he is telling each and every one of us. There is no greater statement to say who Jesus is when he says, I am. He is the eternal God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Much like the Jews were arguing with him, they completely missed this point. He tells them exactly who he is, what he stands for, and what he's able to do. And what did they do instead? They grabbed stones to throw at him for him saying this statement. You're either on board with Jesus and who he is, or you're completely against him and not. I'm praying that we're all going to be on the side that says, I am. I believe that and trust what Jesus is able to do. I trust in his plan for my life. I trust that I'm going to have everlasting life with him. I trust through the trials that I'm going to face in life that Jesus is going to be the one with me every step of the way, that he has it planned and he's going to carry us through. The hope coming from him saying that he is, I am, is all I need to get through each and every day of my life and look forward to spending eternity with my Savior. That we can go through life every single day knowing who is with us and the power that he holds. It says that Jesus hid or, or went away. And I want to say how sad it is that if we hide Jesus from our lives, that we continue to shut him out and decide who Jesus is going to be in our daily walk. Let Jesus take hold of our lives. Let him guide us. Stop with the doubt. If you started doubting or you have any questions, I challenge you through this next couple days, next week, to give up little by little and see what he can do in your life. See how he's going to start to affect you. And those little sticky notes that you have, I want you to put those in your Bible. Keep them close to you. 
and just keep adding to the list. Because the amazing thing about God and how powerful and how loving he is, is that each day he's going to reveal himself a little bit more to us and be something new to us even more. So you can keep a running tally and you'll have your whole Bible full of sticky notes of who Jesus is in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you never give up on us. That we may question you, we may not trust you all the time, and you don't shut us out. That you want to have a relationship with us. That you want to have eternal life with us, Lord. What an amazing gift. I pray that you continue to soften our hearts, drop our egos. Let us start asking questions. Let's stop attacking you. Let's stop our slander. Let's stop just bringing everything against you, trying to pick apart your ministry and just let your ministry speak for itself, speak into our lives so we can speak to other people, Lord. We thank you for your love and never, ever stopping working in our lives. It's your name we pray. All God's people said, amen.